Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome back to another episode of Mouse and Joystick here. It's it's been a minute or so since we've last done an episode, but the gang is all back here. Uh, I'm your host Kyle, of course. And joining me as always, we have Michael. What's up? And Noah. How's it all going? How are y'all? Like like I just said, it's, you know, it's been a while since we've done a show like this, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been over a month. Two months. I don't know. A little bit longer of a break than normal here, but um, I think uh, I think it's time to get back into the swing of things here. I'm kind of excited about this. Um, as far as what we have going on today, I, I don't think there's anything unusual. We'll probably just do our normal little slate here. Um, let's go ahead and just jump into the discussion topic of the episode I have here. Um, with it being the very beginning of September, today is actually September 9th. That is the day we're recording. Um, we have already started the onslaught of huge game releases that will be continuing up until like the end of December, basically. <laughs> um, just to kind of, kind of, you know, give you an example of how big of a release schedule we're looking at here. Uh, just September alone, we have Neck Two, Destiny Two, Divinity Original Sin Two. Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, Metroid, Samus Returns, NHL 18, NBA 2K 18, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Pokemon Tournament DX for Switch, Project Cards 2, Total War, Warhammer 2, Cuphead, FIFA 18, and of course, the SNES Classic. Ooh, boy. <laughs> and then, you know, don't get me started in October, November, but that's, that's kind of beyond the point. Um, so the question I want to pose to the U2 here is, do you think... Publishers are too focused on that holiday season, trying to get people to buy just before uh, the Christmas or New Year's or whatever they want to buy it for. Like, do you think there's just too much competition going on for their own good? I I definitely think so. I think that started back with um, Call of Duty. Um, I think they were the maybe not the first ones, but the first really really popular ones that would do it. They would come out with a new game around. End of October, early November, and that was like, "Hey, I'm gonna get that for Christmas because it comes out right before then." Mm-hmm. And a lot of big titles started being like, "We should do that too because look, they sell really well." So I think it got out of hand. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, like it's just been getting worse and worse. I feel like, and especially, I'm feeling like this now because we have just gone through what you could consider our summer drought. There has not, I mean, there have been games, but no super large, like triple a publisher kind of game since June. Mm-hmm. We've already gotten over like two months about any kind of, I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing to play, but for most part, there's a lot less to play than there normally would be. I feel like a lot of these titles would benefit from like a summer release or maybe 
a late winter release, like a January, February, even just so that they can stand out a little bit more. But um, do you have a, do you have any thoughts on that? Noah? like what's, what's your uh, two cents on the matter? Yeah, I think it'd be probably uh, a little bit healthier if they spread them out across the, the, the year as opposed to doing like a quarter of the year where they all just shove them in and you have to buy like 10. <laughs> 10 to 15 AAA titles in the span of three months. Yeah. And, like, I guess developers and, like, I mean, whoever works on when the game's going to come out be like, maybe we should separate ours from the other major title coming out in this genre so we don't have to compete with them just in case their game's better. Mm-hmm, right. I don't know about you guys, but with uh, this staggered well just like the staged releases here i find myself just being like oh cool there's a bunch of great games coming out now what, like which one or two am i going to actually play now and then like which five i'm going to add to my wish list and get later on when they're on sale you know yeah <laughs> that's what i find myself doing at least at least this uh fall that's what i'm doing maybe next year will be better but somehow i doubt it it's, it's next year's looking to be pretty packed as well I don't know. I just thought it was it was kind of crazy. And um, for those that are curious, um, the other titles, other notable titles coming out for October and November include Forza 7, Middle Earth Shadow of War, The Evil Within 2, Fire Emblem Warriors, Gran Turismo Sport, uh, uh, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, Assassin's Creed Origins. I knew you were going to snicker there. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It worked. I can't help it. <laughs> Damn you, South Park. <laughs> uh, then there's also Super Mario Odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Call of Duty, World War II, Sonic Forces, Need for Speed Payback, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and of course, the recently announced L.A. Noir Remastered. We'll get into that a little mm -hmm. bit more here in a bit. Uh, but yeah, that's just an absolutely insane schedule there i just imagine if you were like a someone that was working for like a publication like ign or something and you looked at this you're just like oh my god we're gonna be so swamped over the next couple months of reviews and previews and stuff ridiculous anyways uh i don't have anything else to add on the matter i thought i'd just bring that up kind of point it out uh do you have do either of you two have anything else to add on the matter Too many. <laughs> uh, I can only see three that I'm for sure getting. I think there's four games I'm going to be getting on this list. Um, I'm. I don't. I bought one of them. So. <laughs> right. I haven't. Yeah. Did you get Forza? No, I bought uh, Destiny Two for my Xbox. Nice. Oh, you have it for Xbox? Gosh, Noah. <laughs> yeah. What are we gonna do with you? <laughs> Maybe someday. Bungie will let us transfer characters over to different platforms. <laughs> probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, probably not. They want they want to make as much money as they can. Yeah, uh, I think I think I'm. I mean, South Park is a no. Is like you have to. So that's not even a question. You have to get that. First one was so good. I know, but then the other ones are like, I don't. There's a lot of maybes and a lot of like if it gets good reviews or if it looks so much more fun when I see other people play it or there's a lot of those. So I don't know yet. That's kind of how I've been with uh, 
Mario and Rabbids, that new Switch game. At first, I was yeah. like, eh, I don't really care. But then, like, the more I watch people play, I'm like, man, this is actually looks like, super fun. I might have to pick it up someday. But, but yeah, maybe maybe we'll get back in that some other time. Um, right now, uh, the only, only games I'm thinking of picking up, at least like right away, are Wolfenstein 2, Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. And then maybe Destiny for PC. Maybe. I've enjoyed it so far. Like, I'm going to get it one day. I just don't know if I'm picking it up right away or not. That That's the kind of the dilemma I'm having at the moment. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the remainder of 2017, basically. Um, so... For everyone listening, if you have any other questions you'd like to have us answer on the next episode, uh, you can always tweet at us at MNJ underscore podcast on Twitter. Or you can get us on Facebook at Mouse and Joystick Podcast. Or you can even shoot us an email at mouseandjoystick at gmail.com. Uh, and even if it's not just a question, if you have a statement or a comment about the question we answered here about the onslaught of releases, we'd love to hear your opinion on it as well. That being said, uh, moving on to what the news, what we've, uh, what's been going on since the last time we did an episode here. Um, I've been a little off on catching the news, so there may be some stuff I'm missing here. Uh, but there's a couple of big things in here and a couple of other just the typical headline kind of stuff that you just gloss over. Um, so starting off with what kind of news we have going on here. Um, Titanfall 2 is getting a four-player co-op horde mode called Operation Frontier Shield. Um, I've not really looked into it too much, but I thought it was worth mentioning just because it's nice to see that even though EA had not mentioned Titanfall 2 at all during E3, there's still some support coming to it. Like It's not completely abandoned, at least not yet. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. As for what they're going to do after that, uh, who knows? They haven't said anything else as far as I'm aware. Um, then what else do we have here? Oh yes, uh, Telltale actually uh, did a kind of a cool thing where they came out with their own little video and announced three separate titles all at once. The first one being Batman The Enemy Within, which is uh, a follow-up to their previous Batman series, which I believe has already come out, at least the first episode anyway. And the second one should be coming out here soon, if not already. And then after that, they've also announced that The Walking Dead, the final season, will be coming out sometime in 2018. And at long last, The Wolf Among Us Season 2 will be also beginning a 2018 release. That is one I've been super pumped for. I know not as many people are aware of The Wolf Among Us compared to their other series, but that, in my opinion, is hands down their best game. The Wolf Among Us Season 1. One of my favorites. So it may not appeal to everyone, but that one had me super jazzed and I just wanted to get it out there so that more people knew about this awesome series. It's never one I played, but Telltale games are, you know, they're, they're just a staple in games. Like you have to try. <laughs> they are pretty staple. Yeah. Although I, I don't know if it's just me, but I've not had any interest in their Guardians of the Galaxy series for some reason. They have one? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, released the Guardians of the Galaxy game. And I'm just like, I I just don't feel like they're going to be able to like capture the charm or the humor that the 
newer movies have been able to do for those characters. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, moving on, we uh, did get a little bit of an update on Stardew Valley's multiplayer. Apparently, it's still being worked on. They've uh, they've learned a lot of new stuff recently, and they're going to be uh, trying to at least start getting some tests going for that for people to start playing it uh, as of 2018. Uh, but the good news is it does seem like it is the kind of more more broad, more expanded version of the multiplayer we're hoping for, where it's not like everyone is bound to the host player. Like it's a little bit more free. Everyone has a bit more freedom. It can do whatever they want. That's good. That'll probably be when I pick it up is when they introduce the multiplayer. Oh yeah, I don't blame you. Once we once we get into the multiplayer of that game, it's just we're just gonna lose so much of our lives again. <laughs> yeah, I don't forget that. Uh... Um, there's a rumor going around that they might be coming out with uh, Stardew Valley for the Switch. Oh my god. Well, they they finished it. They're just waiting for it to get published, aren't they? I'm not sure, but hopefully it does come out. Hopefully it gets approved or whatever's going on, because... I need it. I mean, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, Stardew Valley is, is still one of my most played games on Steam somehow. <laughs> it's It's just so <laughs> relaxing. It's so much fun. Not much, not much goes over my uh, like two hundred fifty plus hours on Fallout Four. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yep, Stardew Valley is a good game. I'm happy to see it still. An official page for Stardew Valley on Nintendo's website. So Ooh. awesome, awesome, awesome. Since 2017. Ooh, maybe we still got that coming out too. I wouldn't. I would seriously reconsider buying it for the Switch just so I could be like, I'm going to go outside and play Stardew Valley now. For some reason, I don't know why I would be doing that, but just in case I wanted to. Same, because, like, I mean, it's only like 20 bucks anyway, and it's like, now I can play it mobile? Awesome. Yeah, no kidding. Kidding. Perfect, perfect combination there. And then, uh, so yeah, moving on from there, um... I don't know how significant this actually is, but there was um, a post that stated that EA confirms that Bioware Montreal is being moved over to EA Motive, which essentially means that uh, the uh, Bioware Montreal team, which I believe were the same people that worked on Mass Effect Andromeda, they're now like associated with Battlefront Project. They're like helping. Oh, they're like helping finish out the single player or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just kind of what I heard. But uh, it does mean that the Bioware people, you know, they're not like fired. They're still working. It's, it's not like it was a disaster or anything. Like they're still with EA there. Well, I mean, they fucked up Andromeda. <laughs> a, a, not like <laughs> there's something wrong with that game. It's still probably a decent game, but. Yeah, I mean, it basically single-handedly killed the Mass Effect series. So that or, there's that. It made me so sad because that was one of my favorite series ever. <laughs> and then I'm like, wow, this character is really ugly. And what what's going on in this cutscene? I don't even know. Did you uh, ever finish Andromeda, or did you just get partway through it? <laughs> I, I I rented it from Redbox for like one night, and I was like, can't anymore. <laughs> I can't. Okay, because I I don't know if they like ever, I don't know how the story finishes. So I don't know if they like left it open and ready for a sequel or what the whole plan with that was. But I I could see that happening and leave some 
fans really disappointed if that was the case? I mean, probably. They probably left it open. It's a Mass Effect thing to do. Although, then again, on 3, they really didn't, and everyone was surprised, but... Well, they left, it, they left it open for Mass Effect Andromeda, duh. Well, I mean, the ending of 3 was like, <laughs> okay, this all happened. I don't think they can, any, anything can come back from this, and then they were like, Andromeda, and we're like, what? Okay. We never asked for this. <laughs> I'm glad we did it. <laughs> yeah, so there that there's that. Um another news. Um Activision is considering other remasters of their older titles thanks to the success of the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which is still one of the best selling games of this year overall, surprisingly. The, the that trilogy remake for Bash Bash Bandicoot. Crash that Bandicoot doesn't surprised me too much because Crash Bandicoot like was awesome. A cornerstone to this gaming, gaming. generation. Yeah, oh, yeah, it basically like helped establish PlayStation to be what it was in the beginning. Yeah, big deal. But I don't know what what other franchises they could be looking at reviving. Uh, Activision, that is. Maybe maybe something like Spiral. Don't they have access to Spiral the Dragon? Um, I don't know. That was a PlayStation that game. That wasn't exclusive. Wasn't exclusive, but Activision does still own the rights to it, and they've just been using it for Imaginators or whatever that toy series is. Skylanders. Was it Skylanders? What's Imaginators? Is that a Disney thing? Yeah, the Disney project. That's the Disney one. Uh, okay. Spiral deserves better than this. Come on, Activision, do it. Do it right. Give us a honest Spiral remake now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh! This is okay. This next piece of news is one that kind of had the internet very upset for a while, as uh, as the internet tends to happen. But uh, Valve announced a new game, and it's Artifact, the Dota oh, Two card game. Did you watch the video? I the one where everyone's like super excited, and as soon as like the subtitle comes up, everyone just like goes, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was perfect." like it's like they did it on purpose like 100 artifact yeah dota 2 card game boom oh. Oh. imagine the developers who like worked on it and were like oh that kind man they don't uh not, not dota but just valve in general has been very uh what's the word for it? They, they've not been able to please their fans very much lately let's let's go with that their fans have been very upset. Valve? Should, uh, yeah. Or don't, Valve, Valve still has fans? <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, while we're on the, the topic of Valve, uh, we'll talk about this other piece of news here in a moment. But, uh, I mean, I've heard a little bit about Artifact and some of the unique things they want to do to help it stand out from other card games. It sounds kind of cool, but is there really room for another card game in a world where there's Hearthstone and then there's just a bunch of other small card games that don't really get a falling outside of people that like the real world equivalents like magic or Pokemon. As far as I know, like Hearthstone is like the only virtual like digital card game that's really taken off. Yeah. I don't think anything is really gonna, I mean the Witcher game is probably the only one I'm honestly considering even trying because Gwent is fun. Gwent's fun. <laughs> but, I mean, 
it would have been different, I guess, if these things would have been spaced out, like we talked about earlier. But they literally, everyone announced a card game for their genre of games, like, at the same time. Yeah, they and did do that, didn't they? <laughs> it, it sort of, like, everyone was like, please, no more card games. Can we have real, game, real games, please? And, yeah. It's like, I dream of a world where we can get new games that are not remakes of Hearthstone or Overwatch. Make it happen, developers. You can you can make a difference. People can't be original anymore, Kyle. That co- that costs too much. Yeah, you're it's right. Like an original concept too. You can't just be like, oh, this is the Glen card game, the Witcher series. This is Artifact. I'll give Gwen some credit. It Gwen is different enough from other card games to where like there's room for it. Gwen, they literally came up with their own like style for everything just for the original witcher 3 game so i mean it's it's a lot different than the other card games coming out which are either steal from gwent or steal from hearthstone so <laughs> magic hearthstone shut up <laughs> no i mean like basically every card game steals from magic now so <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say magic didn't steal from anything hearthstone <laughs> copied magic <laughs> yeah magic was the original actually like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that. When All did, those things. When did back Magic then. start? Probably, but it was probably one of the first ones. And then I think Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh came out. Pokemon was probably first. Actually, I don't even know because they were both Japanese. So I don't know. Pokemon TCG started in like 1998. I don't know when Magic started. Might be older than that. Probably. Magic's really old. You can you can still buy cards from all the way back then too. <laughs> Are there formats where people can still use the cards from the nineties outside of like I'm just playing with my friend in my house kind of situation? Um, I mean, at some card shops they do play some versions of modern where you can use really old old cards. I don't know if there's a limit to how far back you can go. Okay. I've never really tried because playing modern with like all the sets of cards is difficult because there's a lot of sets that have op cards and then standard which is just the recent cards like makes it easier to be like okay what stuff what op stuff do i have to counter against (laughs) yeah good times good times (laughs) um i do have this next piece near the bottom of the list but i'm just gonna move it up because it is kind of related to the whole valves thing um but uh former half-life writer lead writer mark laidlaw Went onto his personal blog and basically just spilt the beans. He basically just laid it out there. He just made it like a fan fiction version of what Half-Life 2 Episode 3 would have actually been. In a kind of an attempt to actually give fans of the Half-Life series some closure. And, you know, some people have taken this in different ways. But for me personally... This kind of was like the final nail in the coffin for a follow-up to Half-Life. At this point, I just don't see Valve ever wanting to put resources and money into creating a sequel to a first-person single-player game. Unless the only other way they would do it is if they could somehow squeeze multiplayer in it to sell chess. You know? Yeah. I personally never played Half-Life, so I never have the... uh... I don't know, like, drive to want a Half-Life 3, but I totally get people that, like, want the want a company to make something like that. And, I mean, Half-Life 3 is, like, at this point, 
been needed to happen for so long that I think at any even if they did still make it, it might still be a disappointment because it doesn't live up to people's hype. And I don't know. I think if they Valve did that and they actually did come out with something, then they'd probably lose all their fans anyway. Yeah, it wouldn't live up to people's hype. At this point, they're kind of in a lose lose situation. Like, yeah. if they finally got off their butts and made have like three people just be like, "Oh, it took you long enough. Oh, why why why'd you do this? Why were you quiet for so long?" Or if they just decide not to ever make Half Life Three, then it's like, "Well, piss off the fans. You know, you never made Half Life. What are you doing?" It's something they would have probably just had to have done earlier, and situations happen, and it didn't it didn't actually get made. But you know, at this point, I don't think we're ever gonna know the full story of. Half-Life 3 or Half-Life 2 Episode 3, whatever you want to call it. At this point, it's just going to forever be vaporware. But uh, it was nice that uh, the lead writer finally went out and just said, here's what was supposed to happen for those that suffered the very terrible cliffhanger at the end of Episode 2. I mean, super cliffhanger like <laughs> Walking Dead mid-season finale kind of cliffhanger, you know? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, good. yeah. They just like left people hanging forever without any resolution to what was going on. So now, now some fans actually kind of have that. So I'm, I'm pretty happy for them. Happy that that could happen in some way. And then uh, moving on from there, uh, we just have the bad news rolling here, don't we? <laughs> um, but uh, Crackdown Three has been delayed to an unspecified date, 2018. The title, the game that was supposed to release on the same day as the Xbox One X, the the game that Microsoft was hoping to help showcase the new technology, was delayed. And okay. there's there's really no indication on when it actually is going to release. It's just 2018 without any specifics, like no quarter, no month, or anything like that. Uh, so that that's that's a bummer. Seems uh, what was shown at E3 was pretty promising, but I don't. They didn't really give a good reason for why it was uh, delayed. All they said is that uh, it needs more time. So that's it's never a good sign. But hopefully, with uh, the no. little bit of a delay here, they can get the get that delayed. Get a, give it a little bit more time to firm up. You know. Yeah. Uh, we're almost there. Um. Interestingly enough, uh, Square Enix has come out and out and officially confirmed that Final Fantasy 15 is getting a PC release with full mod support, and there's even a mobile port for Final Fantasy 15. So that game will continue churn be churned out. For those that have not yet experienced it, there's still plenty of opportunities to experience Final Fantasy 15 on pretty much any device possible. So that's cool, especially the PC yeah. version being given full mod support. That's almost unprecedented from uh, Eastern developers like that. So I'm hoping that this is a trend that continues to happen. And just fully embracing what the platform can offer. Full mod support is, yeah, that is very surprising coming from any company like that. How many games nowadays even offer full mod support? That's, that's super rare. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not very much common of a thing anymore. Because now the thing is to charge for that, which is... <laughs> It's called paid DLC. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, that game, uh, Final Fantasy XV, broke ground on so many different levels that uh, I think they were just like, you know what, let's just give this to the fans and 
let them literally have everything for this game. And I've played that game, haven't beat it, unfortunately. I really want to get it again and then beat it. Um, and it is so much fun. I'll probably pick up the PC version when that comes out. It, it looks really pretty even on the PlayStation, so I can only imagine what it's going to look like on like PC and 4K. Oh, it's going to look amazing. Oh, right. And then uh, the last piece of news we have, uh, we've already mentioned earlier in the show, but um, L.A. Noir is getting a remastered edition. It is coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on November, sorry, November 14th. And interestingly enough, there's also a L.A. Noir VR case files coming up for the HTC Vive. So now you can enjoy... At least a, a snippet of L.A. Noir in gorgeous VR action. Uh, so that's really cool to see them kind of adapting an older title to make it VR compatible like that. And interestingly enough, just like a remaster for the newer consoles, I didn't expect L.A. Noir of all games to get that treatment. Um, yeah, me either. Noah, do you have any any thoughts on L.A. Noir getting an update like that? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It is, it's... Is it Rockstar? Rockstar is like the publisher for it, but I think it's developed by Bandai Namco or something like that. I don't know. It's weird that they're doing the HTC Vive thing. But bringing it back, I don't know. It could just be like a little cash grab. They're like, oh, it's not too much effort. What we don't know is this is actually them testing VR cap- capability for Grand Theft Auto Five. I can see them like being Grand Theft Auto Five VR new version of it or something. I know it's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see if this is actually some sort of poking and prodding to see if there's any interest for an LA Noir sequel, or if they're just just putting it out there for the fans. You know, you know, you never really know uh, with moves like this. But LA Noir is a cool game. Not a great game, but it's it's unique and very fun. I agree. Like, it's very unique. I think they need to put more... I don't know. Rockstar Rockstar does so many unique things just themselves as developers that I feel like they could totally make a sequel into a better version of L.A. Noir, the first one. So if that, if that ever happens... I, I do I, feel like with an L.A. Noir 2, they could fix a lot of the issues that the first game had. It'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Rockstar has does have a thing for making their sequels better, unlike other um, developers that make their sequels worse. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Eleanor remastered, pretty cool, coming out in November. And uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I'll pick it up again, but I'm gonna stay here and wait for Red Dead Redemption Two news. <laughs> Same. Oh, where, whenever that happens. <laughs> all right let's uh let's move on to our final segment here uh what we've been playing or watching over the past month almost month and a half really since we did a show um let's go ahead and get some of the shooter stuff out of the way uh because we've been playing quite a bit of shooters lately um the big one of course is player knowns battlegrounds we've been playing that a bit uh it finally got a first person only mode so um do you guys have any any thoughts on the first-person only mode? Is it, was it worth the wait? Something that you're looking forward to diving back into some more later on? Um, the first-person only mode uh, definitely adds more difficulty to a lot of, like, 
just playing it. Um, but I don't know. Since I play it, I, I play it pretty casually, and I don't really care too much. We still win a decent amount, but it's not really something I am trying to pay, play to the point where I get um, super upset when people like just kill me in third person. So I, I'll probably play it a little bit, but not going to be like something I will only try to play. Totally. Yeah. I think it's a game that I'll just be able to hop in and do a couple rounds where it's not that big of a deal and it's stable enough that you can just do that. I thank goodness for that. But yeah, uh, Battlegrounds has just been blowing up as of late. Um, as of, I believe it was two days ago from recording this, uh, it has finally surpassed over 1 million concurrent players on Steam, which is absolutely insane. Uh, it's it's taken the crown from both Counter-Strike and Dota 2 as like the most played game on Steam, at least depending on how far back you look. Like As of recently, it's been the most popular game for sure. Uh, so that yeah, it's absolutely insane, and it's it's technically not even fully out yet. The game is still in like early access beta phase. Like, that's there's still so much more they could do. But like what we have right now, it still feels. I mean, I'd argue like right now it feels like a fully complete game. Yeah, me too. Um, and I do believe that the uh, at least the Xbox One version is still being planned to come out later this year. Um, I don't have an exact date on that. And uh, neither do I don't have a date for the PlayStation 4 version. If, uh, if there is still a version for PlayStation 4 coming out, I'm pretty sure there is. The, uh, the Xbox, the one that's coming out first. Uh, I did hear kind of an interesting theme uh, the other day from a player I know himself that uh, he's uh, with his recent partnership with Microsoft for the Xbox One version. They've been able to uh, approach other Microsoft developers and get some cool information, cool tech tech to use in their own game. And apparently right now they're working with Rare to incorporate some of the water effects from Sea of Thieves into Battlegrounds or something to that effect. Interesting. I thought that was kind of cool, you know, like just having different development studios just kind of work together to share their their tricks, their secrets like that. Yeah. It's like you got your Sea of Thieves in my battlegrounds. No, you got your battlegrounds in my Sea of Thieves. <laughs> and it's cool to see that. Yeah, battlegrounds. It's still a good game, and it's. Uh, I, I only see it growing from here. I don't think it's gonna stop. Just gonna absolutely destroy everything online. Yeah, I mean, especially with how much they have planned. Well, it's almost gonna destroy everything because. Uh, Funnily enough, even though Battlegrounds has been able to reach over a million concurrent players, um, Destiny 2 has also been massive since its release just a couple of days ago. Uh, I saw a report from Bungie themselves just five hours ago that Destiny 2 has 1.2 million concurrent players. Wow. Granted, that's across two platforms, not just one, but for a game that's only released, like, what, like, <laughs> it's been like four days? It's That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, speaking speaking of Destiny, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into that discussion because uh, all three of us had a chance to play in the Destiny Two beta on PC, and uh, Noah, you've you've actually been playing the full version, so you have a probably a little bit more experience with it than uh, us two. But I'm curious to see what you guys have thought of it so far, and uh, if you have Destiny One experience, how does it compare to that? 
Um, so, as far as, I don't know, I'm trying to break it down into like a couple sections. So like, let's say graphics, um, we'll do story, and then we'll do gameplay. Sounds good. That works. So graphics, I really didn't notice a change from the first Destiny at all. I mean, it, I mean, it looks good, but it, it, you could honestly throw up the screenshot of either game and I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference. I mean, I haven't really noticed anything substantial either. Like, I don't know if they've actually changed any textures, but they've maybe only gone through and like adjusted lighting and stuff like that. Yeah. So the lighting does look pretty good. Um, let's see. Gameplay. It's probably the biggest section. I'd say they did do a better job at making the classes a little bit more independent of each other. Um, but I would say they could probably do a little bit more because um, basically you start out with one class and then there's three movement abilities and then three um, grenade abilities and then two subclass abilities. Mm-hmm. And the two subclass abilities are the same for all three of the classes that you can get in one class. So, like, um, so example, I'm a hunter, and your subclass ability is a dodge. And basically, no matter if you pick the golden gun, night stalker, or the um, the pole, lightning pole, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. is the first dash makes you reload when you dash, and the second one. Uh, resets your um, melee, and that's the same regardless of your super ability that you choose. And then they have three movement abilities, which are the same for all three subsets. Then they have three grenades, and the grenades change, but I think the middle grenade is always like some type of swarm grenade, and then the other two are some variation of like either damage or utility kind of thing. Okay. So those are all cookie cutter. Like minimal difference and then they have these new things where you can like um, spec out into a different play style so there's i think eight in total uh different things you can select and you have to pick between one or the other so it's two different play styles and there's four different abilities in each play style for that class and those are unique to those ability like your super ability so it's basically um you pick your super, and then you have your grenade and movement abilities, your dash, and then if you want to change the play style of that ability, you have four um, like check boxes, I guess, that you can change. Mm-hmm. So, so they aren't as, as diverse I'd want them, but um, it's better for sure than the last game. So I feel like they fleshed out the clashes or the classes a little bit more. And then as far as the combat, the combat's pretty smooth. Um, a lot of the enemies are the same, um, which kind of ties into the story, which I think is probably the biggest improvement. Um, it kind of felt reminiscent of like Bungie's Halo, Halo Three days, where they have the cinematics that like really pull you in. Yeah, totally. Uh, I don't know. It's feeling good, pretty, feeling pretty good right now. I'm waiting on two other guys to get in so we can actually play as a squad and see how it feels. Um, but they, 
They're working on it, that's for sure. Good to hear. Um, do you have anything else on the Destiny 2 do you want to add, Michael? Um, comparing it to Destiny 1, uh, I think that they... Uh, from the beta, you couldn't really tell that they did the um, like looting thing, I guess. Uh, the rarities. I, the, you can't tell that they did them better from the beta, but I have heard, and it, it does seem a little bit like they made it easier for you to get the legendaries or whatever they are. Um, the gameplay is a lot like uh, Destiny 1 uh, with uh, classes and everything. Not much changed in that sense. Um, story. The story in Destiny 1 was good. And I like. I'm. I'm guessing I'm gonna like the story in Destiny 2 also. I never played much of the multiplayer, but it seems a little bit more refined in Destiny 2. Mm -hmm. uh, easier, more balanced. I mean, it's still not that balanced because I don't know. There's so many different weapons and like <laughs> combinations of things that I don't. I don't know. I feel like. I mean, yeah, when you have, it's, like, 200 weapons, there's, there's going to be a best and a worst, you know? It's just inevitable. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem... It just doesn't never seem balanced, so... I never really got into the multiplayer. Um, enemies, like Noah said, didn't really change much. And uh, comparing it to Halo is definitely a thing that has been done, will be done probably forever, unless they actually change anything. But, yeah, their enemies are a lot like it. But these get, this game is really popular. Because I mean, Halo was really popular, and I don't know. What if we took Halo and made it multi-platform? <laughs> I mean, that, that's probably why that's probably why Bungie stopped making Halo. <laughs> we must go. But yeah, I'm, I've only really heard positive things about Destiny Two so far, outside of the whole microtransaction controversy that's been going on, but. Yeah. I don't I don't think as many people actually care about that since all it really does is affect your ability to use shaders to customize certain armor. It's not really like you're using money to buy better guns or anything like that. It's just customization, character customization. So outside of that though, everything seems to have been a stark improvement since Destiny One. Even over like the uh, the better part of Destiny One, which is around the Taken King era. That's good news. So I'm looking forward to jumping into it eventually like i'm still not sure if i want to get it on playstation or pc yet but i might just wait for pc version well we'll see how strong the temptation of it is for me <laughs> uh, and i know uh, you've already pre-ordered it on pc correct michael um on accident <laughs> meaning i thought it came out the same time for playstation as it did for the rest of the systems because you know, that's the thing that normally happens. And no, I bought it and then looked at the release date. And I'm like, shit, maybe I should have done that in the other order, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, well. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, I don't, I do have it technically pre ordered, which I, w I w was going to play it. I was pretty interested. But I think I also was in the slump. Like you said, we had a pretty dry summer of new video games. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, look, Destiny 2 is coming out. I'm going to get it right now. So I have something to play. But now I have to wait another month. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah it's it, it, we're, we're finally past it like we're finally in the green area that everything is getting better here 
Um, but yeah, it's like speaking of uh, stuff that's happening, stuff that's been changing. Um, Rainbow Six Siege just had a big update, and we've been checking that out a little bit here. Um, the new update called Operation Blood Orchid has come after what feels like a long summer of nothing but quality of life and bug fixes. Um, <laughs> so no, as like the Rainbow Six expert amongst us, I believe. How, how what would you what do you want to say about Operation Blood Orchid for Rainbow Six Siege? I wouldn't exactly say that expert, but uh, I don't know. They took that break with their Operation Health or whatever it was to try and fix the game. And to be fair, they did put a lot of literature out about bug fixes and um, health changes that they're going to make to try and make the game a little bit more. Uh, better mm -hmm. more better more better yeah um so they changed i think i don't know, i'm not gonna try and a lot of stuff it was literally like a 30 second scroll of patch notes um, the operation uh blood orchid patch notes was the longest patch notes post i have ever seen in my entire life and what we had between 20 40 gigabytes of my update was like 43 gigabytes or something like that <laughs> it was ridiculous mine was only 26 but we're, we'll not talk about that problem because... <laughs> yeah. yeah basically they added three new operators two from hong kong and one from poland because they were behind because of the operation health uh one new map and then they basically redid most of the textures for uh, the maps already in rotation now I've heard that um, they're going to be taking some maps out, and there's not really any plans of re-adding them. Is that true? Well, or? They take them out of the competitive rotation. Out of competitive, okay. Oh. Yeah. So they're like CS:GO type thing. Yeah. So some maps are in the competitive rotation, and some are not. I don't know why, but they did. I didn't read anything. Probably because there's like map. There's like things in the map that you can like do to like exploit certain yeah, things sure. to be specific yeah anyways we played it a couple of times now we probably put what four or five hours in since I yeah it's it's been a good handful of hours so far i haven't noticed really any performance issues or bugs that got in the way other than the loading thing which still <laughs> we have no idea what does that? It, everything's been pretty. Michael, smooth. we've told you, you just gotta download more RAM. <laughs> yeah, I know, and <laughs> yeah, download more RAM and buy an SSD and download that one too. Yep. But I think they're they're turning themselves into that not MMO but like MOBA style game where the same game it's just supported over a number of years kind of thing. Hopefully. Like where they'll eventually maybe get league status and have a hundred different people in the game. <laughs> uh, I think if it gets, I mean, Ubisoft is going to put a lot of effort to get to there. And um, just looking at Ubisoft's track record, they don't like putting effort into things. So. I don't know. They, I've I've heard them go on record and say that uh, they already have like an idea for over a hundred operators that they could implement to the game. They just got to get around to working out the kinks, you know? I mean, I guess. Because I don't really think there's a game of that size in the first-person shooter 
Not really, no. It's kind of crazy. Like, Rainbow Six Siege came out, and it was very rough at first. But it's just, like, quietly been growing. And it's just, like, quietly become, like, the best shooter on the market somehow. Like, it, it's really, really weird how that happened. It is. It's and, I mean... Pretty solid game, though. Yeah, I, I would. I'm all for them to totally support this for a, for a long, long time. I just, I hope they do. I just don't want to get my hopes up and then get disappointed when they're like, uh, "We wanted to work on a Rainbow Six Siege 2 or however they word that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they they have a really solid base right now, and they could just kind of keep doing the whole seasons things as as long as the engine is so usable. I could see yeah. rebranding it to just like Rainbow or something yeah i heard someone kind of suggest they might do like a counter-strike thing and just be like this is rainbow six siege go or something and just have like a small update to a new platform and then continually update that from there yeah so it's not tied to like a specific number or anything yeah i don't don't know if i'd ever want a rainbow six siege (laughs) 2 if you can just keep updating rainbow six siege and I mean, like, as long as you keep putting out content as we're buying, then, yeah, we'll keep playing it. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then one other shooter I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know if you managed to play this or not, Noah, but at least me and Michael had a chance to play some of the World War... II, or, sorry, the Call of Duty World War II beta uh, when that <laughs> was available. Um yeah, so like you know that that happened. Uh, what was uh, your initial first impression of the Call of Duty World War Two beta, Michael? Um, I mean, initial first like few words impression. It's like it's like a World at War, but mixed with one of the Activision Call of Duties. So all um, of them. <laughs> so, so I mean. I liked it, to be honest. I did. Uh, I, it, it may just be my nostalgia for the guns and all that era, but I think they took a step in a good direction when they did this, and it's different um, than the f- past few Call of Duties that have come out. Obviously, not just with the World War II thing, but with some of the other multiplayer things they did. Um I don't know. There's not. I don't know how. What else to say? That it's. I mean. <laughs> yep. It's, it's Call of Duty. World War II, Call of Duty. <laughs> and I mean, I'm probably going to pick it up eventually. I don't know about first day type thing, but probably eventually, just because we all get that craving of a multiplayer game that like you don't really have to put like effort into. It's just a multiplayer game that get like stress out. <laughs> And that's normally Call of Duty for me, and that's probably why I'll get it. Fair and enough. zombies, of course. Zombies, zombies is always a plus. I mean, what I'm about to say might actually trigger like some hardcore Call of Duty fan out there, but from the from the little bit of time I put into the World War II beta, which was a couple hours actually, I honestly felt like Call of Duty World War II may be the best Call of Duty in the past like eight years. <laughs> just just because maybe I'm nostalgic for the World War II setting and all that, but I'm like. Yeah, this is foot feet on the ground, no stupid jump packs, no overbearing kill streaks or score streaks or whatever they're called. It's just like honest to god well, gunplay. There are there are score streaks still. There are but... they are there, but I saw so much so few, uh, what's the word for like 
so many so, few. so fewer so much less of them yeah like yeah there were still you know the, you know in radars and every once in a while there'd be one of those missiles that came down but never anything that was like oh my god they got that thing everybody hiding building everybody pull up rocket launchers nothing like that ever happened to me yeah I like heard. no one can play for the next like two minutes i heard type thing like uh dragons shotgun were a little bit overpowered or whatever it was uh yeah, it it could be pretty decent, but I never really found it to be too much of an issue. The uh, automatic weapons are still like the go-to; they're still the way to go for the most part. Especially the STG forty-four, that thing rocks. But but yeah, like you know, it was kind of nice playing a Call of Duty game, and there's no like AC one thirty or Pavlo or anything like stupid like that. Like, yep, it's all about just being able to aim at the other people and shoot them. You know, it's. It's a shooter, not a kill streak simulator, or whatever. You're <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably not the best way of describing the other Call of Duties, but it's it, it's been kind of frustrating as a, a long-time Call of Duty fan, just watching the progression of them and how I've, I felt like for the most part, each one has gotten worse and worse. But this one, I was actually like, yes, I can I can actually get behind this one. Like, I'm probably not going to buy it, but it actually has me very excited for what could potentially happen next year with Treyarch's next Call of Duty. I mean, if they just go right back and they're like, Black Ops 4, jump packs, baby, I'm going to be like, oh. <laughs> like, you had so much potential. <laughs> if they do, like, another historical setting or something that's un- also, like, feet on the ground, not very killstreak focused, I am going to be, like, completely on board for that. It's a good st- it's a step in the right direction, I feel like, even though I'm, I feel like some people are going to disagree. I was reading some comments and they were like, oh my god, the maps in this game are the worst in the entire series and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know if I agree with that, but I can see where they're coming from. Uh, Alright, anything else to add on Call of Duty World War II there or should we uh, go ahead and move on? Probably move on from that <laughs> We're moving on from <laughs> World, Call of Duty World War II. Um... <clears throat> Uh, so I'll try to keep some of this other stuff here brief, but I've been dabbling in all sorts of various Pokemon things lately. Um, the first one I want to mention is there was a demo for Pokemon Tournament release on Switch. So I finally had a chance to play that a bit. And let me just say, Pokemon Tournament is awesome. It is not a complicated game by no means. Like, it's not going to be a Street Fighter or your uh, Mortal Kombat or anything like that. But if you just want like a relatively simple co-op kind of fighter game, it is perfect for that. It is not too hard to get into. There are not super long, overly complicated combos to do. Like anyone can jump in, get some cool flashy moves off and act like a badass. So for that kind of thing, it's super fun, but I'm going to hold off full judgment until it actually comes out later this month. I'll probably try out the full version of it before I give like a final consensus on it, but I really enjoyed what I played so far, Pokemon Tournament. Uh, I have been getting into Pokemon TCG a bit, so um, I, I've i been uh, busy with the Pokemon TCG online. That's been eating up a lot of my life, and it's it's been a nice kind of alternative to Hearthstone for me to get my card game fix. Uh, so that, there's there's that, but I don't really have any super strong opinions about it. It's it it's the online version of Pokemon TCG, so it's nice that it exists for those that want to get into it. Yeah. And it's available on mobile devices, so I can play it on my phone wherever I am. 
Don't do card games, kids. They're expensive. They are very expensive. <laughs> they they will eat your wallet. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to talk about has been some of the brand new changes that's been happening to Pokemon Go as of late. Um, I believe last time we did an episode, it was before I went down to Chicago for Pokemon Go Fest. Uh, so since, since then, a lot of stuff has been happening for that game. But uh, basically, uh, since... Since July, we had the first like big in-person Pokemon Go event, and it was kind of a disaster. I'm not gonna lie; like the actual event where you're supposed to be in the park just didn't work since self-service was non-existent at the time, but no one could log in to actually play the game. But uh, you know, after that, it was fantastic because as soon as the event ended, they they flipped the switch and they released uh, raids into Pokemon. Uh, well, they did it before that, but they had legendary raids. Uh, so I've actually, since like the past month and a half, I've actually been going out to my local city, just playing Pokemon Go with groups of people on a regular basis. And it's super, super weird to be a part of that raiding culture. But once you really get into it, it's, I don't know, it, like I kind of understand where MMO players come from now because that that grind for at raid bosses to get, get good loot and stuff is very real. In Pokemon Go, even uh, trying to mm-hmm. go there to try to acquire uh, like legendary Pokemon that have the good hidden stats, the best ones for powering up and all that. Uh, going the raids to win rare candies and win technical machines so you can change movesets and stuff. Like it's all very min maxi RPG kind of stuff, but it's just as addictive in the real world as it is in like an MMO like WoW or Final Fantasy or something like that. So. I, I I get I understand MMO players a bit more now thanks thanks to Pokemon Go it's it's kind of weird we have like a more wor- real world equivalent to Pokemon MMO now <laughs> that's that's interesting <laughs> it it's it's bizarre how they've been handling it but it's you know I, I'd say the game right now is in the best spot it's been since release uh, they've actually been on kind of a like a string of bug fixes and quality of life updates. So all sorts of issues like that have been getting ironed out with each, uh, each update. And uh, recently in an update code, they found kind of hints that generation three Pokemon are going to be released to the game soon. So expect another huge update, probably in another month or two for that. For those that like the, the Ruby Sapphire Pokemon, those are going to be available now. And yeah, Blaziken. Uh, Blaziken will be in Pokemon go. And you know, like on day one, there's just gonna be some random kid that's like, "Oh, hey, there's a Blaziken in my apartment." Yeah, lucky bastard. <laughs> and then the legendaries from them too. Yeah, the legendaries for those games will be coming out. Um, about a week Grab ago, on. they released the the three legendary dogs from the Gold and Silver games. So um, each one is going to be in uh, in their respective region for a month. So over the course of the next three months, we have a chance to catch uh, Entei, Sweet Coon, and Raiko. Uh, so those are all going on right now oh and uh for those that I mean, i'm sure people care about this but they're actually releasing mewtwo soon as well through uh, exclusive invitation raids basically if you are an active raider you get an invitation to then participate in a mewtwo raid uh That's so pretty awesome yeah so for people that have been sticking to the game they get rewarded with mewtwo here shortly chance to get to that elusive monster right there he who shall break the entire game 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy because for a while they had Mewtwo stats in the game, so people could look at it and it was just like, oh, Mewtwo's stats are so high, he just breaks everything. He just kills everything. <laughs> so, they actually had to go and manually nerf him by 10%, and even after a 10% nerf, he's still the best Pokemon in the game. <laughs> it's <weird>. so it's like yep that's mutual right that's kind of how he goes yeah yeah but it's been fun like i i remember back a year ago when it first launched and it had all of its issues i was like man this game has so much potential i don't know if it's ever going to live up to it and more and more like every month it gets closer to reaching that potential so i've been pretty happy to see how that's been going Yep, lots of time and money, that's for sure. <laughs> um, then, yeah, other than that, I don't really have anything else to add as far as Pokemon stuff goes. But, uh, Michael, you just started the uh, uh, the Surge the other day, that uh, Souls-like game from the makers of... Uh, what was that game called? The uh, It was the like Dark Souls-like game, but you had like the giant armor and stuff? Uh... Lords of the Fallen, that was it. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, T- tell me about the surge. How are you like in the what, what some people have been calling like sci-fi souls? <laughs> sci-fi souls. Sci-fi souls. Um, I would say, uh, even though Bloodborne, I guess, is technically a Souls game, I feel like it's more like Bloodborne than it is like a Dark Souls game. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it, it's definitely more paced like Bloodborne, also. So like less blocking, more. You have to dodge everything or else you're going to get hit and chunked for, like, all of your health. Um, and the setting is really, really cool. Fighting robots and other people with mechs and giant weapons. And um, the other thing that's different from Dark Souls is that you have, like, finishing moves where you cut limbs and stuff off. And that's the way that you get new things for your mech suit or new weapons or whatever, is you have to cut it off the other the enemy's body. So that was that was a pretty cool aspect. Um, I've only put I haven't put in very many hours, and I've only faced one boss and like two mini bosses. And the one boss I faced was actually pretty difficult. And I've played like every Souls game besides the first one. So, but Michael, that one has the I, hardest Souls bosses. I know. I need to get to I I own the game. I just never played it. I need I need to get to it eventually. Just try to find the time. But uh it it's pretty difficult and I was trying to decide whether to do like uh you know a more like heavy focus or a more like lightweight, fast moving focus. Um the reviews for this game are really good, almost like all positive because uh, I mean, it is like a Souls game, and if you just put the time and effort into it, it's an awesome game. The story's pretty cool. It's like hard to explain at this point, but I recommend does, it. For doesn't the game who... like start off with you being like a like a handicapped person, and you're like going to get these limbs yeah. to like be able to move around and stuff? That was the interesting part. Yeah, you you start out and you're like on a train, and um. Like, you don't even see anything at first. You just see yourself on the train. You assume you're sitting on the bench because it doesn't show your, your legs or anything yet. Then when you first start to go move, because um, you're actually in a wheelchair. And you're like, oh, shit, that's why I'm getting this mech suit. But the weird thing is, going into this factory to get your suit, you don't see anyone besides, like, a couple guards. 
going to get this. You don't see anyone like any scientists, any anyone actually working in this facility. That's like this. These th these mech suits are supposed to be for everyone. Like anyone who works in this entire giant factory is supposed to have one, and you don't see anyone. And then you choose between a heavy suit or a light suit. And then uh, you get you go in to get the surgery. And you actually, when your guy lays down, it's a cutscene. And it's like a bunch of scanning machines from like, you know, a sci-fi thing. And it's like a bunch of arms, like eight arms about to do stuff to you. And then it says you're sedated. Your guy is totally not sedated. And then he goes through, they go through like drilling things into him while he's totally awake. Oh, God. Drill, uh, yeah. And then eventually they drill something into his head. You black out and then you wake up and you're like being attacked by little flying drones and people. So... Well, that's like actually horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty cool start. It, it sounds like an interesting premise. I'm I'm curious to to see how how it fares up as you get later in the game. I I can only just go off of what I've heard from other people about like how some of the some of the stages tend to get kind of repetitive and all that. But maybe maybe now we'll we'll see. I, I definitely am gonna ask you about a follow up later on in the future if uh, if you've put enough time into it. Yeah, I definitely plan on finishing it at this point. So awesome. Uh, and then the the last game we have in the slate here was one that Noah just kind of mentioned before we started recording here. And I'm gonna I want to know more. Uh, Noah, what is Humans Fall Flat? Yeah. So um, back in 2016, uh, this game was released. Um, if you're familiar with Game Beasts at all, yeah different publishers but same art style kind of it's like a very simple geometry like low poly art um and it's a physics-based puzzle game kind of thing so basically you get this little ragdoll guy like in game beasts yeah okay same shape and you get control over your arms and you can grab and move and jump and that's about it so then they have like these pretty cool physics-based um like levels where you have to either move things it's kind of like portal without the portals where you have to like do these logic puzzles with moving things through doors and gates okay and stuff like that um and they recently updated to do co-op local co-op so uh we tried that out and it's actually pretty cool i think it took us six hours to beat it totally that's not too bad taking around a little bit interesting but yeah it was, it's it's uh definitely a pickup it's like 15 20 bucks um so it's really cheap and it's you know solid four or five hours and then it's also um there's like no rules to it so like they give you access to the entire map so you could do it i don't know five thousand different ways every time and still be able to complete it um it okay how, how easy you want it to be or how much fun you want to have doing it I don't know. It's really hard to kind of show you how cool it is without actually playing it because it's just something you have to experience. I'm gonna have to check out this a bit more later on. It sounds very intriguing. Yeah, it's worth it's worth looking at because um, it's not like super intense. It's, it's also you know something that'll keep you busy and makes you think a little bit. And it's kind of a little bit of a narrative. To where some of the maps kind of suggest that like maybe a a thought 
for a concept and it kind of plays you through this little narrative as you go through the stages and they have music cues and stuff that kind of is almost like having a story without having a story, but it's pretty good. All right. Fantastic. Um, did either one of you two have any other games you wanted to mention before we uh, close out the show here? Um, oh, I did get, uh, I got uh, Resident Evil 7, the newest one? 7, right? 6. Oh, uh, 7 is the one that came out this year. 7. I got that one, and I also got Horizon, uh, not Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Infamous? N- oh yeah, I forgot about Infamous, but also <laughs> one other game. Uh, horror game about the hotel. I mean, not the hotel. People up in the mountain. Wendigos. Um, I don't know which one that would until be. Until dawn. Until dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll keep you guys updated. I have not put very many hours into those two horror games, um, but I'll let you know how that goes because I don't like horror games. <laughs> but I do know <laughs> both of those games are very good. Um, and then I got I ha I have been playing uh what was that game? I literally just said starts with an I. Infamous. In, <laughs> infamous, that one. Uh that game's pretty fun. It's comparable to I would say prototype. Um uh I mean prototype is so cool. So f- yeah, pretty good story so far. Um haven't put I've put a decent amount into it. The powers you get in it are pretty cool. Um, for those that don't know what Infamous is, it's it's kind of like a, and if this is not right, let me know. But like, isn't it kind of like a open world superhero kind of game, sort of? Yeah, you sort of get um, it's sort of open world, pretty much. Um, but you have like lightning pretty powers, much, pretty much. No, you actually have um. Actually, that yeah, I was surprised because every cover I saw, you had like lightning powers. But no, there's more than just uh, that. Okay. Well, or at least that's not. I haven't gotten to that yet. If you even get those, but I don't think you do. Um, in this one, uh, you start out with as a normal person, and then you're, and then like all the people who had powers, I'm guessing from Infamous One, um, are jailed and put away by uh, a certain like government agency, and eventually like at the beginning of the game one breaks out a couple of them break out of like uh when they're getting moved between jails and you your character ends up touching one and he gains um this power it's like a smoke ability where he can like basically transform into smoke and like dash things and also shoot out smoke from his hands and things like that and then you are now on the run from them and you also like are trying to fight them now because you notice that this government agency is very corrupt. Well, you also notice that um, there are other conduits that have different abilities than you. Like there's also one like with a a neon type ability that like you can shoot up neon lights and things like that, run really fast. And you end up touching one of them and you gain that power too. So now you're on a quest to gain all the powers. And in this game, you're also, like, conflicted. You could either be good and not actually kill anyone, just stun them, or you could go completely bad and kill everyone, kill everything, do everything bad, and that definitely affects the story um, and decisions you can make later on and abilities you can get. Well, that is super interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. 
<laughs> yeah, Infamous is one of those franchises that's been around since PlayStation 3 era, and it's kind of just been a little quiet, but it's always been there. It's been pretty reliable for people. I don't know if uh, there's ever pl any plans of getting a new one out, but it seems like a franchise that a lot of people are pretty pretty happy with, have, have liked a lot. Right. Um, as far as any other games to mention, I'll just keep this super brief. Uh, I'm going to be pimping out my, my own live stream here, so begging my pardon. Uh, but I have started, um, every Monday I do a Pokemon Day kind of thing where I play through the main series Pokemon games. Um, right now I'm doing it with a little bit of a twist, though. I'm doing randomized Nuzlocke challenges, so every single wild spawn is randomized every train of battle is randomized you never know what you're going to find or what you're going to battle against so it's been kind of a fun challenge in that way um there's also because of the nuzlocke part um if your party members ever faint you cannot revive them you have to basically just put them in a box and never use them ever again so that's like an extra layer of challenge on top of that that that's been kind of fun and kind of saddening at the same time because there have been a couple of times already where I'll let a party member die for a stupid reason, and then I just, like, regret it for, for a while after that. Some of them just did not deserve the treatment I, I gave them, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Especially to Chris and uh, Bruce. I love you, too. <laughs> sorry. My, my apologies. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing I've been doing is uh, just the other day I started... I finally started playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which I've I've been putting off forever, I feel like. Um, but I'm only four hours into that, so I don't really have a whole lot to say on it just yet. Um, but next episode, I will probably have a lot more to say about it. So yeah, the, those are two things I'm doing right now, and we'll probably talk about a bit more in the, the future. Uh, anything else? Anyone have uh, any final shout-outs they want to make? I would like to give a quick shout-out to our patron, Trayvon Brady, on Podcast Empire Network's Patreon. He's been helping us support the show for a few months now. Uh, if you'd also like to support us and the other podcasts, you can subscribe or donate on patreon.com forward slash podcast empire network. For us here at Mouse and Joystick, that has been episode 16, which is now in the bag, and we will see everyone next month. Sayonara. Wake me.